but they just do what they want with my songs. Wait, wait Lord sounds like a girl. Auto-tune. You want to see how I do it? I come up with all my best stuff in the bathroom at work. I use this program to import the recordings I make on my phone. Yeah, yeah, feeling good on a Wednesday. Sparkling thoughts. Give me the hope to go on. What I need now is a little bit of shelter. Dad, Lord's music is actually really good. Thanks, but it gets even better when I add the drum loops. Yeah, yeah, feeling good on a Wednesday. Then with the computer, I can actually quantize Sparkling, everything. Feeling good, feeling Backup good. instruments. Thoughts. And then finally, I use the auto-tune. Sparkling thoughts, feeling good on a Wednesday. Giving me the hope, giving, giving me the hope to go on. What I need is a little bit of shelter. Stan? What the hell is that? Yes, my name is Brian. What would you say you do here? Stone on air. This one's gonna be uh this one's gonna be interesting. I've been having some terrible issues with the computer. Now I'm having trouble with the volume with my levels. God damn it. Oh yeah, I could die because I'm so happy. Just kill me now. So you likely just heard a little hiccup in the song. You wouldn't have noticed it because you don't really know the song. Um, I've been fighting and struggling with this goddamn computer and my audio software and the board and and just, I don't know. I'm not smart enough to be able to diagnostic this and uh, troubleshoot it. And you probably just heard another hiccup right there. Uh, I went from joyful, happy... Looking forward to doing this show today. I spent over three hours working on this show last night. It's going to be my final one of the year. Hell, maybe with the way all this junk is working, the final one I ever do at all. But if just think about when you're think you're seeing a um, audio go by, like on a on a meter. You know, it goes up and down. You talk louder, it gets louder. You talk lower, it gets way lower, and it just goes up and down. Now think about like a buffering kind of situation on a computer and it just stops like it just did right there. It stops and then it quickly all catches back up. Well, when that happens, the audio does not come through completely clear and there will be what I call hiccups in the um, in the overall audio and it just little slight sticks like instead of just flowing across you know, one one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, four Mississippi, five Mississippi, and it is um, it's infuriating. It's infuriating, and I use older equipment for sure, older software, not necessarily equipment, older software. This is a very old software, but I'm so proficient at it, and I love it so much. Except for maybe it's now not being updated with the Windows 10 updates. I'm not sure. Uh, what I do know, or what I'm beginning to feel like I understand, is that um, Microsoft and PCs are like Chevrolets and Fords. There, just did it again right there. And um, Macs and Apple products are like Toyotas, Nissans, and Hondas. They are efficient for years and years and years, where Chevrolets and Fords are absolute shit. That's what it appears. So I put way too much work into this to just not do it because of this, and it's going to be annoying. And it may, maybe it's not as bad once the final product is done, but I it's it's 11 o'clock now on the night that I'm recording on a Wednesday night. 
I sat down at 8.45 to start this. And I went in and I tried to do updates and I restarted the computer and then crappy ass Windows 10 sometimes for whatever reason you have to wait like 30 minutes for the damn beach ball to stop spinning. I mean this this is <sighs> all right. <clears throat> so I apologize on the front end. Um it also has changed the direction of the show because of just my mood here. Uh let's see. So this is the supposed for-profit venture known as the Stone on Air podcast. My name is Brian Stone. You already know all of this. This is the final show of the year. I know they've been very sporadic recently. If you're around regularly, you already know why. It's because of the new project, which has turned into the occasionally for-profit venture known as the Chattanooga Drive-In Show podcast, which has run into some bumps in the roads here, road at the end of the year here. Uh, that's not that uh, surprising as a matter of fact, and um, we'll see how it goes into the new year. Uh, starting today, September 16th through the second week of January, I have uh, I don't have one work week that is a full Monday through Friday. It's not exactly any kind of vacation time at the holidays, but I at least have a breakup in the repetitive nature of my Monday through Friday work weeks. I at least have one job I don't work at or the other I don't or whatever. Um, and into the second week of January, I'll have a better idea if this show starts to come back regularly, if I even have a studio that even is functional at the house, I don't know, we'll see. Or if that gig continues, I'm pretty much good with it either way. I'm just kind of going with the flow on it. Um, man, it's really hard to get in a good mood here. And part of what I was going to talk about was on the front end here, but in a much more cheery, friendly way, was uh, about passion projects. I am very uh, passionate about passion projects, hobbies, if you will, things to um, to occupy your time, stimulate your brain, creative outlets, and these radio show, podcast, hybrid, you know, it's stuck together with with duct tape type of of gigs are are getting a little old. I don't have a lot of passion for a lot of this anymore. When I do good work, I'm happy about it. You know, I'm I'm. I'm uh, I'm proud of of the work that I uh, that I produce, the content that I put out for consumption uh, digitally or even uh, analogically. Analogically, that's even a word. I don't think it is. At least not the way I said it. Anyway, you get my point. Um, I'm proud of the work that I do, but it's not necessarily something that I'm just you know I'm happy to be here kind of things. I'm looking for ways to monetize talents and skills. Not just have fun and say, hey, look at all this cool stuff I just did and feel like I'm screaming in the woods. That's been a slowly eroding situation for about a half decade. And it's hit kind of, it, it's it's hitting its boiling point of without monetary compensation, I'm not interested in it anymore. Just because I'm not, the sound of my own voice is annoying me. And, um, and now there's other creative outlets out there that you can, that I, any of us can do. As simple and stupid as I played some golf the other week and thought I could actually take this up and turn this into something to get better at and to work on in my spare time. Other kind of hobbies I could work on. I have aged like 20 years in the last year and a half. I went from like a mid-20s acting 39 to 40-year-old to like a 60-year-old, 42-year-old man at the at just what feels like the snap of, of the fingers. So... What's important to me is changing a lot, but 
um, especially after I deal with the kind of stuff I've dealt with the last day and a half, just trying to do this one maybe hour podcast. I've put three, four now upwards of five plus hours, maybe even closer to six because of all this technical difficulties. And it's it's infuriating me. Absolutely infuriating me. Sorry. Gosh, I'm sorry. All right. What's coming up today? Um, a bunch of stuff I was going to do. I'm now, now not going to. It does look like the audio levels are flowing in better right now. So I think you're getting most. Well, there was another little hiccup there. But I think you're getting most everything pretty clear. Um, the second segment of the show is going to be a tip, typical layout. I'm going to give you um, a, a long dive into. There it is. Just total hiccup right there. Fuck me. Okay, so I actually just stopped things to see how bad the lag was, and it's it's it, 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 it's not good, but that's there's nothing I can do about it at this point. So I'll just continue. And just for the fun of it, I decided to bleep out the the f bomb there. So so uh, in the second segment, uh, the Brian Williams situation from about five years ago now, where he got quote unquote made up the story about the, the his coverage of. Uh, the war in Iraq in 03 and what did or didn't happen. And, uh, and I'm going to do it via some clips from a Malcolm Gladwell podcast, which I dumped into this audio uh, software last night and edited without a single problem, not a single freaking problem. And I haven't used the computer again since then. So I just don't get it, but that'll be the uh, second segment of the show. And he, the main reason the catalyst for it is he stepped down from his, uh, well, from his show and from his employment at uh, NBC News of 28 years a week ago, right this exact moment. So that's the reason for that. Final segment of the show, if if I don't get pissed off and just quit early, um, I've dumped a, a voicemail empty um, just from my personal phone. And then I have a stack full of stuff I went through here at my desk at the house that just stuff I pile up that I, you know, articles that I've just never gotten to on any shows yet. And I'll just kind of run through those to wrap up uh, the final segment. I think, I guess, I don't know. I was going to talk about main time before spoiler alert at any point, if I was going to do it, it was great. You should go best day in Chattanooga every year um, in Florida. There's another hiccup. Sorry. The um, uh, stop woke act. That's being pushed through by or uh, for vote the legislator in Florida by what I believe will be probably our next president, Ron DeSantis. Um, just the nature of the of of it, the name of it, it's it's just antagonistic and purposely divisive. It's another uh, perfect example of the performative political entertainment complex, and that's just our world now. Don Trump changed the game. He changed the world. He's the most influential person in the world, for good or bad. I say mostly bad. And our politics are just a television program now. They're characters. They're actors. They're not looking for anything other than TV time, ratings, and uh, and money, and fame, and uh, and red carpet style of uh, uh, adoration. And it's it's uh, it's always had a, a lot of that to it. In the modern day, you know, 90s, since maybe even in the 80s, but certainly of the last generation. But it's now, it's completely off the rails. It is just a television program, and it is, uh, it's embarrassing. And keep in mind, I hate most things woke, but just the fact that that's the name of the, of the sponsored bill 
for whatever it was. So to not teach critical race theory, blah, 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 blah. Um, a bunch of uh, teams in the NFL and the NBA are having a bunch of COVID positive tests. And um, my main question here is, why are we testing, or I guess in this case it would just be considered screening, testing or screening, people who are healthy, non-sick, non-symptom showing people? Why are we doing that? Why is that happening if they've been, if they've been vaccinated? I thought that was the whole thing. Get vaccinated, you don't have to do a bunch of this stupid spit. I'm, I'm done with it. Over it. Now oh, now there's boosters. Now I may have to get a booster every year. Oh, now I was reading some headline the other day of now there's pills you can take. If, stop. Enough. Quit. Get the hell out of here. Get the hell out of here with all this nonsense. Will I get a booster? Not likely. Very, 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 very not likely. I took the last one, the, the first round, and got sick as a dog. I'm not doing this again. I'm not doing this over and over again. Here, l- l- serious talk. As foolish as this may sound, I will get the booster if Pearl Jam, whenever they reschedule their shows or, or play the postponed shows from now ago, when Pearl Jam says I have to have the booster, that's when I'll do it. And... uh that's it. That is not even going to touch on this other stuff. I got four pieces of audio for you. Then we'll get to the last couple of segments. And this show, who knows how long. This fucking train wreck. Uh, I guess I guess it's going to get worse before it gets better. Um, sorry, again. I, if you're still, if you listen to this whole thing, God bless you. I don't know why you would. This is terrible. All right. Uh, this is the didn't age well thing. It's Roger and Ebert from like 1980, whenever the hell the Christmas vacation came out. Our first film is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, and unlike the other two films in this series, this one isn't even remotely funny. It also lacks enterprise. It's the only film in the series where the Griswold family doesn't go anywhere. They stay stuck in their suburban Chicago home, some vacation. Chevy Chase and Beverly D'Angelo again play the Griswolds. The humor is mostly slapstick, bad slapstick. The humor is all of the nerdy in-law, nerdy neighbor variety. There's no comic energy in the story. The Griswolds can be funny when they go on vacation but not here when they stay stuck at home. Well, I probably laughed more than twice, and I would probably give it a better review than you would, but I can't recommend it. And it seemed to me that what we had here were all the elements, and they just weren't quite firing. For example, when the in-laws turn up, they're not very funny, and they're not really differentiated, and they're not really made very interesting. They're just standard uh, joke in-laws, I mean. Yeah, yeah, in other words, nothing is really done with them. I mean, I really didn't like the film and felt disappointed in it because they can be funny on vacation. Why not take them on a trip again? Mm -hmm. It works twice. Why keep them stuck at home in one location? So, uh, yeah, they didn't like the movie that is wildly considered as the, uh, of a generation, one of the greatest Christmas movies uh, of all time. Of of, Of a generation, anyway. That was the didn't age well thing. This is the realest thing. Let's see. What the hell is this? Uh, oh, my guy, Brett Tarun. This is uh, him doing an audio version of what your email inbox and social media and internet uh, is screaming at you every day as we go into the holiday season or as we're in the holiday season or really at any given time. This is today's realest thing. 
Hey, did you see we're having a sale? We're having a sale. It starts Friday, but technically, it starts now. Sale, sale, sale. Come sail away. Come sail away with me. Sale. You bought from us one time eight years ago. Now we're going to email you every day till you die. A sale like this only happens every seven hours. We have sizes nobody wears to sizes people barely wear. And they're all on sale. Only 50 hours to take advantage. 42 more hours. 41 and a half more hours. Yeah, I, I just like to go ahead and unsubscribe from your email list. Oh yeah, buddy. We're sorry to see you go. Psych, you can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. We've decided to extend the sale for a few short eight more days. 30% off. 50% off. 85% off. You think this is a game? Brands you never heard of that will surely be broken in transit. We could have been giving you these prices this whole time. <laughs> we just chose not Cyber Monday and we've got more new deals. Oh, hold on, FDR. You've got more <laughs> new deals? Why couldn't you just give me those earlier? Well, new things have come to light, man. <laughs> I love that guy. I needed a laugh. Oh, geez. It looks like things might be rolling a little smoother. Fingers crossed. Knock on wood uh this is a quick little awesome little ditty uh the war on christmas to the tune of it's uh, beginning to look a lot like christmas this is today's truest thing we're beginning to fight the war on christmas just like a year ago We'll say Merry Christmas again Never stop but we'll pretend The tradition's dead and blame it all on Joe We've pretended that there's a war on Christmas Since 2004 Thanks, Bill. Oh, when Tifa was still your tree up Like Santa cannot be part of Christmas lore White host wearing suits, manufactured disputes, and fake outrage on Fox and Friends. Laura will squawk and Tucker will shock. White supremacy they will defend. And next year we'll rinse and repeat and do this bit again. Manufactured disputes, and next year we will rinse and repeat and do this bit again. There is no war on Christmas. It is fake, fake ass outrage. And the final one I'll do here, and if can things roll like they are right now, maybe this train can stay on this track and this show can be salvaged for the last two-thirds of it. This is what some people could call the worst idea. I think it's pretty cool. Could put it closer to the coolest idea, and I'll make an admission that I've probably done on this show before that most people wouldn't have uh, the guts or really, let's just be honest, the care or concern at this point in our lives to do. We'll call it, just for the heck of it though, today, the worst idea, but still pretty cool. Apparently the song How You Remind Me by Nickelback sounds amazing on the piano and it has no right being that good. It just put a pause for about three to five seconds. So I don't know where you 
had cut out or came back. But for many years, it was fashionable, and the only way to be super cool was to hate on Nickelback. Now, no doubt, zero doubt, none doubt whatsoever that their music is simplistic and it caters to the lowest common denominator. No dispute there. But it is very catchy, at times very good. Lyrics lyrically never gonna it's always gonna leave you, you know, wanting more. But uh, I listened to Nickelback for a, a little bit of time between 1999 and 2002 or so. Basically, right about the time that that song came out was when I checked out. Why? Mainly why? Because it was cool to say Nickelback sucked. And while they're certainly not anywhere near something I have much interest in listening to anymore. They didn't suck, and they took advantage of uh, of the 21st century rock and roll world around them and became uh, uber, super rock star, quadruple, boopa, duple millionaires, and good for them. All right, we'll see how the rest of this thing goes. I'm going to start. Coming up next, Malcolm had a great podcast. Brian Williams had a great career at NBC, and... It will always be marred by a uh, a story he told in 2015 that almost completely ruined his career. Not completely, but almost. And it really did knock him down from being that legitimate news man, the Walter Cronkites of the world, the Peter Jennings of the world, the Tom Brokaws of the world. And in the end, he didn't do anything different than just about every single one of us have done at some point in our lives and very likely have done it multiple, multiple times. And if I can get through the segment, I'll explain a couple of examples of where I've done it and through the help of the genius that is uh, Malcolm Gladwell and his Revisionist History podcast and a few clips from that, I will try to make it all make sense with some semblance of professionalism coming up next. Coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. At stoneonair.com. Well, look at the time. I'll try to keep this brief. After 28 years of Peacock logos on much of what I own, it is my choice now to jump without a net into the great unknown, as I do for the first time in my 62 years. My biggest worry is for my country. The truth is I'm not a liberal or a conservative. I'm an institutionalist. I believe in this place and in my love of country, I yield to no one. But the darkness on the edge of town has spread to the main roads and highways and neighborhoods. It's now at the local bar and the bowling alley, at the school board and the grocery store. And it must be acknowledged and answered for. Grown men and women who swore an oath to our Constitution, elected by their constituents, possessing the kinds of college degrees I could only dream of, have decided to join the mob and become something they are not, while hoping we somehow forget who they were. They've decided to burn it all down with us inside. That should scare you to no end as much as it scares an aging volunteer fireman. The reality is, though, I will wake up tomorrow in the America of the year 2021, a nation unrecognizable to those who came before us and fought to protect it. 
I'll show myself out until we meet again. That is our broadcast for this Thursday night. Thank you for being here with us. Well, out here in the middle, you can park it on the streets. Such a great song from James McMurtry. called Out Here in the Middle. Nobody steals, nobody cheats, my love. And you maybe just heard the last 10 seconds, or maybe you didn't. Wish you were here, my love. All right, I got a fresh stick of incense burning. I've got a brand new, fresh, small, I don't know. Eight ounce, I'd say glass, but I'm not that classy. Cup with my Dead and Company koozie, fresh gin and tonic, simmering down, simmering down. Um, Brian Williams send off the other night that his little just outro. It was three minutes long. I trimmed it down to about a minute. It didn't make me tear up or cry, but it sure made. We have the feels, as they say, in uh, the vernacular of uh, the 21st year of the 21st century. But he's my fave and the only, the last talking head cable news television show that I will ever have ever watched in the last year or two. And now I'll watch none of them. But the reason for doing this segment was I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and we were talking about this and many other things. And I, uh, we, then we talk, started talking about f- uh, different kind of philosophers, modern-day philosophers that do books and, and podcasts and uh, critical thinking essays and uh, papers and writings and uh, newspaper or whatever it might be. And, and I, a big, uh, I'm a big fan of Malcolm Gladwell recently, in the last few years. I don't have enough time to get into who he is, but if, if you know, you know, and if you don't know, I think you would like a lot of it if you like anything that I ever talk about on this show. And he he broke it down an entire segment of his revisionist, not segment, entire podcast of his uh, revisionist history podcast. And I started going back to 2015 and thinking about when Brian Williams got, quote unquote, busted for telling falsehoods in his story of uh, being shot down or being hit by RPG fire in Iraq while he was covering the uh, the war when uh, Tom Brokaw was still the lead anchor on NBC News. And um, really, overall, I have a couple of different stories I want to try to get in here as quickly as I can, and I'm not sure how I'll weave them in or out because of the uncertainty of the nature of what I'm doing here right now electronically and software-wise. But um, memory is a tricky thing. Memory is a very, very tricky thing, and I regularly have said, and I just made this up on my own one day, um, that I don't think anybody truly really has real vivid memories of anything until you're about eight, nine, maybe ten years old, somewhere in there, unless it's a... uh, a traumatic event. If there was a molestation, if there was, a, if you watched your mother get, you know, killed, if you, you know, were hit, you know, in a terrible car accident that left people potentially terminal, you know, those kinds of things might stick in your in your head because of a, of a flashbulb memory kind of thing, which I'll talk a little bit more here in a little bit. But um, I don't think you just actually remember going to your friend's birthday party when you're five. I just, I just don't think you do. 
And I don't have anything to back that up, but that's my experience. I remember my vivid memories at, at the, about eight years old, Mark. I hear people, oh, I remember when I was four, I did this. No, 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 you really don't. You remember memories of memories and then of memories of memories and then recalled memories over the course of your life. And then the story changes and who was there might get altered or, or changed. And if you're just talking about a birthday party, who really cares, right? That's no big deal. But so memory is a very, very tricky thing. And I have two instances of where I have completely uh, taken stories of my life and either altered them or let someone else within the conversation of the recalling of the memory say something and allow others to believe that it was true, therefore being slightly deceitful but not actually saying something in an inaccurate way, if that makes any sense. Let's just get to the audio here and get it out of the way, and then I'll see how long I can uh, handle this stupid-ass uh, software. Um, this is six cuts from uh, Free Brian Williams. This is the name of the episode from 2018, so it's almost four years old. And I'm sorry for the repetitive, profuse uh, apologies here, but it's terribly distracting having to keep an eye on this audio feed while I also try to go through my show sheet here. Um, just so damn unfortunate it has to go this way, but the really, really, really quick 2003 Brian Williams is covering the war in a convoy. If that's what it's called of helicopters. One of them in the, in the group gets hit by uh, RPG fire has to land all the helicopters at their point of where they're at land out of precaution. Then there's a sandstorm. Then they're stuck there for maybe a, upwards of three days, at least a day or two. So it was a very tense and scary situation. But the helicopter that he was in did not get bit, hit by RPG fire yet. By the time it got to around 2015, which would have been 12, 13 years later, his story said that the helicopter he was in did get hit. If you didn't already know, there's the quick backstory. First clip I got is from Gladwell's podcast where he's playing a clip from a CNN anchor talking to the helicopter operator and asking whether Brian Williams was indeed or not on that uh, flight. Then Stelter talks to the pilot of the helicopter that Williams was on. His name is Alan Kelly. Is it right to say that Brian Williams was aboard your helicopter and not aboard the helicopter that was shot at in Iraq that day? That's correct. He was aboard my aircraft that uh, day in March. What was your aircraft doing, and was it ever within sight of the Chinook that was shot at? As far as the Chinook from Big Windy that was shot down, we were not within visual range of them. So what sort of distance was there between your helicopter uh, with Brian Williams aboard and the helicopter that did take fire? So initially we were probably a half hour behind them. So what started as an NBC uh, news Facebook thread marking some sort of anniversary of the event and then people commenting on that thread that what Brian Williams is saying is not true then was completely put out there into the cable news network of CNN that this seems like a made-up story and of course all the brilliant talking heads they all had all kinds of fun with that Soon, every pundit under the sun is wagging a disdainful finger. Here's Don Imus. Tell me what you think, Alan Gomes. I do not remember whether or not you're in a plane that gets hit. 
I, I can do not remember you that. Remember I remember getting punched in the face in, in, in the fourth grade. Rosie O'Donnell. I think you would know if you were in a helicopter that was actually hit by a missile. So I don't think he didn't remember that. I think he fabricated that story. John Stewart. We got us a case here of infotainment confusion syndrome. It occurs when the celebrity cortex gets its wires crossed with the medulla anchordala. Even Whoopi Goldberg. When he first told the story, he told the story as it happened. And every time he told it again, it got more exciting. He was more this, it was more that. And by the time he was finished, he was on the helicopter. I'm sorry. I don't, you know. And to uh, to just correct Rosie O'Donnell, they weren't hit with a missile. It was a rocket rocket powered grenade RPG. Nothing to uh, you know sneeze at or or bat an eye at, but it it was not a missile. So why is it important? So what if an overpaid television anchor is shamed, says something dumb, gets caught in what most people consider a lie, which I do not consider it a lie whatsoever. Maybe by the time this is over, you won't either. Um, but it's all about our understanding of memory. Now, maybe you don't care about Brian Williams. A lot has happened since his scandal. He currently has a nightly show on MSNBC at 11 Eastern. He's going to be fine. In the grand scheme of things, what does it matter? Well, it matters. Because of what the case exposes about our understanding of memory, Brian Williams remembered a traumatic event one way. Then a couple of years later, he started remembering that same event a different way. And the assumption of virtually everyone who weighed in on the case was this. If someone changes their original story, then they must be lying. That the change must be deliberate and self-aggrandizing. Everyone assumes memory is a kind of time-stamped video of what happened in your life. And that if you contradict the evidence of the video, you're up to no good. I'm sorry, but that's insane. Free Brian Williams. He goes on to talk about how his former uh, New York neighbor in 2001, and uh, they were having a conversation recalling what they did or did not recall exactly on 9-11. Talks about flashbulb memories or flashbulb event studies, which are done um, all the time, especially when there is a traumatic event. Maybe like the tornadoes we just had. There might be somebody on the ground doing flash bulb studies. I don't know. But they did many of them in uh, September of 2001, and they would ask a, a group of people what they remember. And then a year later, they would ask them again. And then two years later, ask them again. And then five years. And then I think around 10 years is when that, that might be the, the lifespan of one of those studies. I, I'm not sure, but that's about as far as it went when they were talking about it. And according to the researchers that he was talking to, uh, after 10 years, there was there it showed a 60% decline in memory consistency. There was even some people who wrote things down, and they were shown in their own handwriting that this is what you said, this is what you wrote to us for this study. Maybe it was a mail-in kind of thing. And they said, I don't know why I would have said that or wrote that down, I must, I don't, I, that's not what happened because of what they call time slice errors that he had just mentioned in that clip. I'm going to tell not a Woodstock story. I know some of you roll your eyes at your woods, the Woodstock stories, but there is a, 
it, it is a Woodstock story, but it, it relates to this. I'll do this before we get out of here on this segment, as long as everything continues to work. Um, but my Woodstock story will involve what researchers uh, seem to call time slice errors, and several of them. And I only thought about this this week from this angle. I'd never really thought about it this way. And Malcolm's uh, anecdotal story of his neighbor in New York in 9-11, uh, when they were both at home when it was happening, this, their, both their stories were drastically different nowadays than they were back then, memories being completely misremembered, for lack of a better way of putting it. A lot of this is examples of very likely what happened to Brian Williams. Now, why are we so adamant on the subject of memory? Because we're memory fundamentalists. We think our memory is a camera recording our life in real time with a video time-stamped and stored for later retrieval. It's not like memory is when you remember something, you're retrieving it and it remains absolutely stable and then you put it in the footlights of your consciousness. It's, it's more that it, when you retrieve it, it's open up to the possibility of change. Every time we retrieve a memory, in other words, there's a chance it can get contaminated. We hear some new detail somewhere about the event, and without realizing it, we just add it in. Memory researchers talk a lot about what they call time slice errors. A couple of things happen in the same general time frame, and we get the sequence all jumbled up. We all do this. As I just mentioned, time slice errors, I just put it in the wrong uh, description on my show sheet. But we all do this. And I also have, I don't know if I'll get to it today, my Jimmy Carter story, one of my earliest, earliest memories of misremembering. Uh, I ate at a lunch table with Jimmy Carter in 1990, I don't know, two, maybe, maybe 91. Um, and I, over my course of my whole life, told that story wrong. Now, I was a child, but I, as an adult, I had every possibility to get the story correct. But I created my own story that wasn't accurate. And uh, I, hopefully I'll be able to get to that here um, on the on the tail end of the segment. I'll probably go long on this one since I spent so much time on it and shorter on the dumb voicemail segment at the end. We'll see. Um, this is the fifth cut I have for you here. In this case, it's not important, but what happens when it is important? Meaning Brian Williams' story that d turned out to be false. Grand scheme of things, it's not important. But what happens when someone's memory really does matter in the most important things in our life, whether it be the justice system or just a court of public opinion or in politics or whatever it might be. If we can't get the little things right, how are we ever going to get the really serious and important things right? So what if it's not 9-11? What if it's a couple years later, at the very beginning of the Iraq war? What if I'm in a convoy of helicopters deep in enemy territory, scared out of my wits, and the helicopter ahead of me gets hit? And I'm a reporter, and I interview lots of people that day about what happened and retell the story so many times that their details become my details, and I start to think that it was my helicopter that got hit. When I read your paper, the first person that came to mind is Brian Williams. Aha, uh -huh, yes. Yes. Didn't he just commit an incredibly normal human... Yes, that was my view. Um, and it was a view of most of the people in the memory field that I know of. You're of the mind that he genuinely believed the story as he told it. Yes. 
that is one of the most fascinating podcasts I have ever listened to. And uh, I'll give you as quickly as I can uh, things that I can relate to it very, very much on the other side of this final comment, final clip from Malcolm Gladwell's Revisionist History. Remembering yourself in one place when you are actually in another does not mean that you're lying. It just means that uncovering the truth requires an understanding of what memory can and cannot do. If we don't get the small cases right, the Brian Williams cases, we're going to be helpless at the big cases. Looking back, it had to have been ego that made me think I had to be sharper, funnier, uh, quicker uh, than anybody else. Uh, put myself closer to the action, having been at the action in the beginning. Oh, please, stop apologizing for a crime you didn't commit. Free Brian Williams. I love it. I love it. And it, and it might be just some confirmation bias because I like Brian Williams so much and I like uh, Malcolm Gladwell so much. But I believe in it completely because I can put myself in those situations and scenarios and I can uh, I can identify with so much of it. And here's uh, the first the Woodstock story, if you will. So every year I get together with the same um, same people around the holidays. I'll do it in a couple of weeks from right now or a week and a half from right now. And um, it's twin brothers and then uh, a, a cast of characters that change but the twin brothers i went to woodstock with and every year and it's not just we talk about woodstock we talk about everything we just we're, we're just we turn into old men that just tell the same old stories every single christmas every single thanksgiving and the and the kids that are now getting older and that are teenage years roll their eyes and the wives a couple of them they're like oh do this every year you know we're having drinks we're taking shots of of uh, eggnog and you know we're not you know getting bombed just yet but oh remember that time and so often some of those uh, facts if you will some of the the recall is different every now and again it's like wait a second didn't you say so and so did this or wait I thought that person rode in that car or I thought because we had a two car load convoy if you will and there's just, just lots of little small details. Well, recently, I met up for the Georgia-Tennessee game with another friend of ours back in those days who we've kept, I've kept up with through social media barely. They've kept up with more. And the three of us got together. And I had been, this guy, I hadn't been around him since 20 years ago, right? And so I don't know this dude. Technically, as an adult, I don't know him. But we have fond child memories, you know, or 19, 20-year-old memories when we were 19, 20, 21 years old. And we start talking about how we stopped at a uh, at a rave club in downtown Nashville to pick up some ecstasy to take on the way to, to drive all night long the 19-whatever-it-is-hours to New York State, and we all took ecstasy. I had forgotten all about that. Now, I don't think I took ecstasy that night. But one of the carloads we were with did. And the story at this point was the guy driving my car was rolling on ecstasy as we drove through the night at 19 years old all the way to New York by, you know, way, way into the next morning. 
And when it was brought up, one of the guys who I was in the car with said, yeah, we all took it. I was like, what are you talking about? I don't have any recollection of this at all. It's like, yeah, yeah, that one time we were all sitting around talking about how all of us were rolling the whole time, how crazy it is. You and me in the front seat and uh, the girls are in the back passed out most of the way and the car in front of us. Yeah, like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. And he was like, no, dude, you, we talked about it. Like you told, we, you know, we laughed about how we were both rolling, smoking cigarettes, listening to, you know, the radio the whole way. I have no recollection of this. At some point in the past 20 years, I have sat around with a group of people and at, it would appear, I can only guess and imagine, I allowed people to believe that, oh yes, I was a guy who was on ecstasy too on the way to the show or on the way to this New York State. How crazy is that? I don't remember this. But I could see myself doing this if we had this conversation over a holiday or over at any point in the last 20 years. Or, 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 my friend in the car with me is misremembering it and realizing that the car in front of us was the only one full of ecstasy rolling crazy kids, while us, who we had our girlfriends in the backseat of the car napping most of the time, Letitia Wolf was my girlfriend at the time, Marissa Sanders was his. I can't imagine they'd be too down with us rolling in the middle of the night, driving to the to the state of New York and feeling okay about this. Like, so somewhere somebody's memory is jacked. It doesn't matter. It does, it's just a story at this point. That is the same kind of thing. At one point, I either let people believe I was taking ecstasy on our my on our way to New York. Or my friend believed that we both did, or or just it's just a total misrecall. It's a misremembering of the situation, but the story got better because of it at certain times. And when we sat down just two months ago around a kitchen table, I had forgotten we even made that stop in Nashville to get ecstasy because that part is true. I do remember that. I don't remember taking the stuff. I guess I could have. Maybe I did. I don't think I did. But I don't I don't know what to believe at this point. Well, you were there. You don't know whether you were high on crazy drugs on the way. No, I don't. I don't remember. I don't I don't remember 10 years ago when the story might have come up. And I've done that many times and other things over the course of my life where I've sat down around a group of people where I'm trying to be impressive. And I'm trying to tell, I, 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 in this kind of space that I'm in, I have kind of turned into a storyteller. And I enjoy listening to other people's stories and engaging in them and swapping stories. I really do like that. Good, deep, real conversation that means something, that you learn something from, that you get... Um, you get strong feelings from and that you can identify with that. That's some of the most important things to me. I love, 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 love it. And I, I believe we all do it at some point to make a story better. Even if we don't say, here's what's happened. Here's what happened. The way you can articulate what you're talking about can lead people to believe that, Oh, I bet that's where that went. 
I won't ask specifically, but I bet that's what it was. And you can lead people on to believe things that aren't true, and you didn't stop them from believing it. And when it comes to anything in life, in a conversational situation, whether it's work-related or friend-related or relationship-related or whatever it is, it's not my obligation to make sure that you understand and know all the truths about everything. You have that obligation for yourself as much as anybody, way more than anybody else. And I might let you believe something that's not true, but I will never do it to your detriment. I will never purposely let you believe something that isn't true if it's to your detriment. If it's neutral for you and doesn't bring you any harm or any negative uh, uh, effects, then I might let you just go ahead and believe what you believe and move along. If you want to know the truth, then you're going to have to do your own work on that. But I, I, I find myself many times looking back and thinking, I don't know if that story I told was actually all that accurate. I mean, I know I was there, and I know it was here, and I know what year it took place, and I can Google it to find out what band was playing or whatever the situation is or what year the person got married or whatever it is. But I'm not sure everything I just said was accurate. And the only other one I have is I'm going way late on this segment, and finally things are flowing freely on my, uh, on my software, so I don't want to stop it. Uh, this exact moment and plus I just want to give this as another good example is that in 1991 to whenever it was between the ages of 10 and 12 somewhere in there my dad's a huge Jimmy Carter guy and we went to Plains Georgia to go to his sermon at uh, at his church that he used to do once a year or however many times a year and Plains Georgia is just a historical little Jimmy Carter museum at least it was then I'm sure it can only be more now and I've always been fascinated with history at a very, very young age, the past intrigued me and caught my attention, grabbed it and held it always, always, always. And we, uh, I don't remember the day well. I wasn't old enough to remember things to this long from there then. But I ended up sitting at a table, at a lunch table in a cafeteria after the uh, church service right across from uh uh, Jimmy and uh, Rosalind Carter, and there's a picture that lives somewhere. I hope it's at my mom's. Someday I'll find it. Not a good picture, you know. No pictures were good pictures back in those days of me sitting right across from Jimmy Carter and the former first lady. And I always had fond, fond memories of that, even though I didn't have any true, real memories of it, other than I sat there and I ate lunch, and I know they talked to me because I was the only kid. I was sitting there by myself. And, um, and the table was full, and there just happened to be one extra seat. And for years and years and years and years, years and years and years and years and years and years, I created this false recollection that I was adamant that I wanted to sit with the former president. I want, you know, I saw that there was an open seat, and I said, hey, Dad, look, there's an open seat. Can I, can I sit over there? When I retold that story, which I've done it on a podcast, I should have pulled the audio, but based on how big of a train wreck this thing's been today, I'm glad I didn't bother with it. But I, I've told the story where I said, and I tentatively say, not not definitively say, but 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 do say that I think it was my idea. This was just a few years ago. I'm in like my late 30s saying that it was my idea to go sit with the former president and eat lunch. It wasn't my idea. 10, 12, 11-year-old kids don't make those decisions. 
<laughs> Who the hell am I kidding? What are you talking about? And my dad listened to that. So maybe it was a radio when I did that. Maybe it was five or six years ago. Anyway, I don't know. My dad sent me a lengthy email explaining the uh, day to me so I understood it better. No, my dad arranged that. The Secret Service had to okay that. Like, that was a, you know, I didn't just, I'm not just some kid who wants to go grab his lunch uh, uh, tray and go run over and sit over at the other table. My dad strategically as he mapped out the room arranged for me to go sit over there with uh with with, with the carters and that's, that's not the best example because i was a child and how could i remember but it is an example of being a grown-ass adult and taking a story that isn't completely accurate and kind of just giving it that little over-the-top finish right like, I did sit across the table from the Carters, but it wasn't my idea. Now, I was enthralled with the history of the city and all the, the, the memorabilia everywhere and um, the, uh, the, the environment I did enjoy. I remember we stayed at a, a bed and breakfast. That is true, for real. I, remember, I do actually remember that and have talked about that in the past. Not that that, you know, that point means anything. But I did go on as an adult and tell people that it was my idea to go sit with the former president and first lady at a cafeteria after a church sermon. When that wasn't true at all. And all I had to do was ask to find out whether it was true or not. We all do it. Every single one of us do it. And, it do- and eventually it doesn't feel like I'm here deceiving people, telling a lie. Like I'm a damn liar. I just feel like I'm telling a fun story that everybody walks away from and says, man, that was pretty cool. Huh. Who who knew, right? Well, the story was already cool. The story was already neat. I didn't have to add anything to it to make it better. I just did. It's the same thing Brian Williams did. <sighs> All right. That ended up working out way better than I expected. That's why I went along with it. Uh, thanks for being here. Wrap things up here shortly. I am going to go ahead and just play the rejoin and this dumb voicemail thing and talk over it and be done and get ready for um, a little bit of time off in the holiday season. This is the Stone on Air podcast, and this is James McMurtry. I love this song. He is uh, he was discovered by uh, John Cougar Mellencamp back in the 80s. He kind of is a poor man's John Cougar Mellencamp from a popular music standpoint. He writes music and lyrics that run circles around that D-bag uh, uh, John Cougar Mellencamp. And I don't mean that too derogatory. I like uh, I like Mellencamp, but this is great, great stuff. Out Here in the Middle is the name of this song, and I will be right back. Out here in the middle where the center's on the Now back to more Stone on Air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Stoneonair.com. God, you're more annoying than a creative voicemail message. Joe is on a vacation far away. You call him up to talk it over. 
So many things that you want to say. Leave your message when the beep is over. I don't want to miss your call tonight. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. I must be out before I pick up the phone. Where could I be? Believe it or not, I'm not home. George, pick up. I know you're screening for Allison. Hey. Well, Paul calls me. Tell him I'm working at the boutique late tonight. Linda, first of all, I'm not your answering service. Second of all, somebody named Greg or Craig called you just a little while ago. Well, which one was it, Greg or Craig? I don't know. I can't keep up with all of your boyfriends. Um, hey, what the hell is this? On the freeway. Brand new Eddie Vedder. Well, hell, now things are working. Jesus. Uh, I first heard this song being played during the World Series. I still sit down and watch World Series highlights at least once a week. I'm over the euphoria, like, daily high of being world champions as an Atlanta Braves fan but in one of the games they come back from break and this song's playing and it sounds very Tom Petty-ish which is pretty cool because I love Tom Petty too and it's playing coming back from break and Joe Buck goes oh, new any better and I'm like wait what I'm stressed out of my mind. I can't think about music at this time. I can't think about the rejoins on the broadcast. But I can't help but hear Joe Buck say Eddie Vedder, so I rewound it real quick to to double check, and I didn't realize that there was new music coming out from Eddie Vedder, and it is a little mini supergroup. It is called uh, Eddie Vedder and the Earthlings. Earthlings. And it is Chad Smith from the Chili Peppers on drums, I can't remember the former guitar player from the Chili Peppers, but that's who's playing right there. And then a bass player, I'll remember who he is. And then Glenn Hazard. Glenn Hazard, which many people haven't heard of, but uh, a uh, very respected name in in singer-songwriting folk music. And, um, and, And it was so cool because, and I've, this is old news, but there's a producer on Fox football and baseball, but primarily baseball in the playoffs and the World Series, they're one of the coordinating producers, I don't know what his exact title is, uses Fish, Widespread Panic, and Pearl Jam, and then whatever the song is that somebody sold the the uh, network to play here and there um, as rejoin music. Fish, Panic, and Pearl Jam, primarily, oh, and the Grateful Dead, sorry. Those four, and then a fifth, and then just a stray one here and there. Are you kidding me? A baseball game and I get rejoins from Fish, Panic, Dead, and Pearl Jam regularly? Who is this person? I have to meet him or her. And this World Series was no exception. Now, I didn't get as giddy about it because the song being played meant nothing to me at the time. But um, and, and, And Joe Buck is good friends with Eddie Vedder as well, so... There's a bunch of uh, useless information that you can have uh, if and do whatever you would like to with it. I've got 
that's how big of a pile of crap that I have that I haven't gotten to in the last six months, maybe the entire year. Probably won't spend a whole lot of time with it. I am going to shift directly now to uh, dumping my voicemail. Um, if you didn't know already, which you probably already did, radio, podcast, audio listening, it's theater of the mind. Try to trick people, you know, not not trick, trick, but just try to create uh, a, a theater and so I tried to make this where this is, okay, I'm going to call up my voicemail live and go through them. No, this is all pre-recorded, but I will talk on top of it, which is not pre-recorded, and um, just see how it goes. None of these are that interesting, but, you know, hey, what are you going to do? All right, so let's dump my voicemail here right now on the Stone on Air podcast. Hold on, turn that up. Here we go. Hey, it's Brian, and while not an assurance, if you do not leave a message, there is absolutely no chance that I'll call you back. Thanks. Bye. Your mailbox is full. Please delete new or stored messages which you no longer need so that new messages right, may be received. Right. You have six new voice messages. You have 14 saved voice Most messages. of these are really old and First very worthless. Message. How the hell did you win 75 bucks? That's, that's my deleted. brother after I was at a little company golf outing, and I won a golf bag and $75. Repairs. Press 1 now if you wish to extend or reinstate your car's warranty. Once again, press 1 now or press 2 to be placed on the DNC or call 833-304-1447. Yeah, no thanks. Message deleted. No thanks. I get so many trash calls these days. I have no idea. Well, I do have an idea why it happens. It's Mia Torres. If you can just give me a call back when you receive this at 855-788-2248. I'm not sure that you received the notice that just went out recently regarding your federal student loan. Yeah, I don't have student um, loans. But just in any case, I don't want your pre-qualified status to change. Yeah, it's not going to. the qualifications for forgiveness or possible loan discharge. Yeah, I don't need either um, of those. So if you had a few minutes, I really just wanted to go over I don't have a few minutes. With you, but I do hope to hear from you soon. And you won't. I haven't had student loans since like two thousand three. I had like two thousand dollars worth of student loans, paid them off when I was like twenty four years old. Still get this those. This is calls. an important health reminder from Blue Cross Blue Shield of Tennessee. Flu shots are the best protection against ah, the flu. flu shot. And most of our plans cover them at no cost to you. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. I'm struggling with whether I'm going to get even COVID boosters at this point. I'm sure as bleep not going to get a for people with chronic health flu problems. shot. And when my software is going to screw up and it doesn't dump in evenly and properly, why can't it F up now? <laughs> now it doesn't matter. Now it would be fine if this audio didn't come through properly. So weird. So, so freaking weird. If so, make an appointment to get yours. Should you or anyone in your family also get a pneumonia vaccine? Damn, a pneumonia vaccine? Coronavirus safety practices you should know. This message is brought to you by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Tennessee mm. Incorporated, an mm. independent licensee of the Blue Cross Blue Shield Association. Just take all the vaccines. Take all the shots. All you get a shot. You get a shot. You get a shot. Hey, it's John calling you back. Hope you're doing well. Oh, hey, John. Uh, based on your business's Dun & Bradstreet score of 76, My business? we did still have you pre-approved for up to a $500,000. Half a million dollars? Just 4.9%. Now the funds uh, half a million dollar loan. Hours, if you were interested, 
Uh, but the offer wow. does expire soon. So please give me a call back at 949-889. That's not the number that's on my... Um, Once again, that number is 949-889-1323. Uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you, buddy. Never talk to you again, even though you're not a real person. Clearly. All right. What's next? Go. Hello. Hey, Brian, call me uh, oh. if you want, if you can tonight. Uh, probably won't be up real late, but um, congrats on your team. I'm uh, all for them. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Beating everybody else. <laughs> That's my dad. I think that was during the NL- NLCS, and he was probably been drinking wine late that night, and probably we won, and he wanted to talk, but I was in no mood Legal to talk. Legal enforcement action ah, filed on go. your social security number for fraudulent activities. So when you get this message, kindly call back at the earliest possible on our number before we begin with the legal proceedings. That is 516 516- I thought about writing this number down and calling it on the uh, on the recording on the podcast today, but I just didn't feel like getting around to doing that. It would be too much logistically, and it's just a scam anyway. China off or something. Call me back. I need information on a credit for um, home plate. That's a guy I work with. I actually got that e- that that message. Message deleted. Like a month later, I was like, sorry, I didn't call you back because that call actually mattered. What's next? It's Katie Mendez. If you can give me a call oh, back, Katie, hello. receive this at 855-737-0014. I'm not sure if you received the notice that went out recently. I did not receive the notice um, about the student loans that I don't have. No, I did not. Especially qualifications for forgiveness or possible discharge. So if you had a few minutes, I just wanted to go over the details. I don't know. If this is the exact same one I had earlier. I've only dumped this in and listened to it once. I don't know. See you later. What else? Anything? Seems like there might have been something else. Hello? Are you there? This call is from Social Security Administration. Oh. And to reach our department, press 1. Call on same number. I repeat, press 1 now. <laughs> Social Security. Okay. Message deleted. And is that all? Because hey I'm... There. No. This is Jess with Discount Insurance Quotes, following up about the free auto insurance quote you requested online. I have not requested for a free auto insurance quote online deal possible. at all. This review only takes about 10 to 15 minutes, and a senior insurance specialist will review your plan to see if they can find any savings or benefits you may be eligible for. Sure, it does. Only a couple minutes. Please sure call it does. me back as soon as you are able to at 855-684-3670. Again, my number is 855-684-3670. I'm looking forward to speaking with you. Yeah, can't wait. I don't know if that's the end or not because this timer doesn't even actually work. I'm just going to turn that off because I'm tired of that. So there you go. Fo- uh, 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 not a photo dump, a voicemail dump. And I'm going to wrap this up and be done with this. Uh, just a handful of things here that I was, you know, headline styles that I'll just run through real quick. Fox buys TMZ. I did not uh, know that until I saw that headline. Uh, 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 Sorry, those are all basically the same thing. WWTA raising sewer rate by 9.8%. That's already happened. One of the biggest crooks in the city is the WWTA. 
this is a headline from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, the lockdowns weren't worth it, you think? Uh, here's another uh, commentary piece. Are AirPods out? Why cool kids are wearing wired headphones? 10 tips for surviving a crowd crash. I'm going to hold on to that for when Bonnaroo gets around here. To uh, There's actually a few uh, tips in there that are very worthwhile to hear. And the state of the American mall. All headlines that I have yet to get to on any show, podcast, or radio this year, or at least this quarter. And that is all I have. And it is it is remarkable. The last, the last 30, 40 minutes of recording, it's been the smoothest um, audio feed ever only at the tiniest hiccup and on the front end and for the last two hours leading up it was nothing but choppy just just complete malfunction in the end i think the show still made it out alive pretty well and on the way out here with eddie vetter and the uh, earthlings long way the name of the song i wish you a very very merry christmas Happy holidays all the way around, regardless of what it is you do or don't believe in, whatever it is you do or don't celebrate, whoever it is you do or don't love, whatever you do for fun, whatever you do in your private time, whatever you do, do it well, and I appreciate the bleeping hell out of you. I can't believe after the mess this has been, you're still here. And it, I'm so proud. It makes me feel so good because it was, it literally was going into this week. I was like, I'm going to spend hours on a show, and I'm going to really, what I would call, you know, just in just simple terms, try to kill it one more time this year, and then reevaluate into the new year where I go um, into January and February. I want to do one show that was a lot of fun. And I think in the end, even with the warts all over it, this one might have turned out all right. I don't know. You're the only one that can make that determination. But the fact that anybody over the course of the last 20 years sits down and listens to what I produce or what I do, speaking into a microphone, still to this day, blows me away. And from the bottom of my freaking heart, I thank you so, so very much. And... Um, Happy New Year. You won't hear from the podcast, certainly, until in, into January. So, happy everything. I just, I love you. And I know I was in such a terrible mood starting this thing. And uh, I am actually in a, in a quite good mood. But it's late, and I'm tired, and I got to go to bed. And I do have to go record the Chattanooga Drive-In Show tomorrow morning, which you can find at the same place you find any other podcast, at least for now, uh, with Jeff Styles as the host. And I'm proud to do that as well. So, uh, thank you so much. Love you to death. Take care. We'll talk to you in the new year into 2022. See you later. Bye.